shit, yeah, it is late, man. Let's. I I don't remember many of. The, I don't remember much from this time. I didn't. I, I didn't either. I mean, I don't. I I had to. Uh, I had to sort of dig around and you know remind myself certain songs from certain movies. There were a couple things that jumped right out. At me. I immediately had two. Yeah, I had trouble finding the third. Mm. Uh, I definitely have two. Yeah, I have two. So you don't have a third. Yeah, I have a third, but it's so it's so typical. But that's all right. It's so fucking typical. I think we're all gonna be a little typical, probably, with this one. It's Maybe little... not. No. Oh. Maybe Shit. not. I feel typical, but I don't know how obvious what I would pick would be. I would bet that there were certain things that I mean. I wonder if there's gonna be some overlap because there were a couple mm. of things that just really jumped out at me as obvious choices. Gotcha. If you're listening to this and you wonder what the fuck we're talking about, we're talking about our picks for this episode which i think is our first like topic driven episode in a while we, a we you know we used to do yeah. these quite a bit and i actually would like to get back into doing these we need to because i think it's a nice uh we try to be so damn timely with things yes. sometimes we'll, we get caught in that right and lately there have been a few of those things like it yes. seems like every time we're getting ready to maybe do something more that's just a topic there's something that we've recently seen that uh that seems like it's the right time to and talk by about we it. you mean Movie Schmovie, right? I mean, the the collective entity known as Movie Schmovie, which is sort of a three-headed beast comprised of the personalities of me, John, Steve, and Ron. Right. Yeah, so that that's who the we are. Yes. And like John said, we're here we have to three talk. heads and three butts. <laughs> that's true. The math carries out with that one. Yes. Uh, yeah. And like John said, we're here to talk about some soundtracks mm-hmm. from 1993 specifically songs from a soundtrack from 1993 this uh this series of movie movie episodes are called a soundtrack schmoundtrack and for some reason it's thus far confined to the 90s nothing wrong with that and to an episode that matches with that particular year so 94 way back in episode 94 we talked about soundtracks from 1994 we decided why not do it for 193 so we're talking about the the year 1993 Songs from soundtracks to movies released that year, not score, but actual songs. So it's kind of a narrow thing, but I like the narrowness of it. I think it forces us to to really dig for some of our choices. Mm. But it so is. So we're picking particular songs. For yeah. Us? Well, you can highlight a particular song. Oh man, this is <laughs> Ronald, <holy> shit. <laughs> no, I know. You crack me up, man. Oh, man. Do, do the best you can, Ronald. Okay. Yeah. Just find your way through this, Ronald. No, this is a this is a this is cool. Yeah. It's like I'm finding all things for the first time. Yes. <laughs> it always seems that way. <laughs> yeah, man. You know what? Some of this, some of it has to do with the idea that, like, when it's a, a subject, like, normally people go home and they're able to, like, process all this. Mm-hmm. I normally go from work to whatever. I never stop home. Yeah. I can't. I can't really. So I wind up going someplace and... Sitting in a place and and figuring it out, mm-hmm. and then coming here, and then it's it's always like half baked because I'm trying to like communicate with everybody right after work. So well, um, you this is not of, a good excuse for it. You kind of mentioned <laughs> not having a lot of specific memories of that year, and I was oh. wondering, I was wondering, how does everyone feel in general about their sort of musical intake in 1993? What kind of music were you listening to in '93? Do you even remember? How old were you in '93, Steve? Twelve. You were twelve. 1993? Yeah. So I was, I was no, 1893. 18, 1993, I was 10. You didn't know we're doing songs from 1893, <laughs> Ronald? <laughs> I was I was 10, and this was a very specific... 1993-94 was, was like the beginning of 
my acquaintance, my getting acquainted with hip hop. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, totally. Yeah. So there, this this is pretty much an homage to all things hip hop, and for a very specific reason for the for one of the movies I'm gonna pick. Um, yeah. That's interesting because I do think yeah. that that was one of the things I noticed that there were some pretty big soundtracks from that year that, that had a lot of hip hop, hip hop, hip hop, hip hop, that had a lot of hip hop or even um, well one that might come up in someone's list, but the hybrid of metal and hip hop that seemed to get a lot of mileage mm. uh, that year. But I, I think for me, I was twenty years old that in nineteen ninety three, so I was out of high school and in college and listening to you know i mean i think nirvana had had just happened and i was already listening to a lot of my favorite kind of i guess they would have been considered college rock or alternative rock at the time mm-hmm. but it was kind of before that that term became really in vogue for describing that kind of music so i listened to a lot of what was on 120 minutes on MTV going into that so i for me this was very strange I didn't have a particular association with any soundtracks from this year. I didn't have any that I owned. There were none that I that well there was one. There's one that I bought and and listened to religiously, but the rest of them were like I had to really sort of think about what songs from which movies that year appealed to me and often case for me it was just a song. It wasn't mm-hmm. a particular soundtrack album. I would look at the soundtrack album and see a lot of songs I didn't remember, but each one of my selections is a particular song from a particular movie and often from a particular scene that I can remember. But it was really weird trying to dredge up what music was I into at that point. And I mm. think it was just a grab bag of stuff I had liked in high school and stuff I had heard as a kid. I think like where you mentioned the hip hop emergence, like I feel like where I was in middle school, I, I kind of was like, I think hip hop and alternative rock really kind of like were blowing up at that time. Right. Yeah. And you had a lot of bands like Nirvana or Pearl Jam or Smashing Pumpkins, like bands that I, you know, are staples in my rotation of, of records or of albums. So um, at that point, my musical tastes were very heavily. I mean, I've always been like tried and true, like give me any of the pop music. But at that point, you know, when these alternative bands and grunge and things like that were coming into the mainstream, <clears throat> you started to see a lot of that music uh, show up in, in movies. And this year, mm-hmm. you know, and some of the ones that we'll talk about, I'm sure, there's a pretty strong presence of alternative rock and hip hop music on soundtracks that year because of how dominant they were on the music charts the year prior and the, and the few years that would follow. So, yeah. So you're, you, you know, Ronald's talking about like, you know, the, the hip hop presence and, and, and kind of what his choices are. I think mine's probably the flip side to the coin of what really dominated that era, which was the alternative rock emergence. So mm-hmm. and I also think it was around the time, like Reservoir Dogs had just come out the year before that. And so that had that kind of soundtrack that was the sort of director's yeah. mixtape. Yep. And I don't know that this year that, like when I looked at the soundtracks from this year, it seemed like that notion hadn't quite taken hold to the extent that I think now it has really taken hold. And it's kind of never gone away. That notion that a soundtrack is sort of, I mean, there are these big movies where you can tell there's lots of placement. Yeah. There's lots of attempts to get big artists involved. But there's this other thread that really wasn't present in any of the movies I saw from this mm. year yeah. where it's the it's the, the Wes Anderson, the, the Quentin Tarantino. I'm sure there's other people that I'm just not thinking of. Well, James Gunn. Yeah. <laughs> where the, the soundtrack is this lovingly crafted facet of the movie itself that is part of the mood and the vibe. Yeah. A lot of these almost feel like money deals were made to get a certain song in the soundtrack and it might not have had as much to do with... Uh, you know, loving this particular song for this particular moment. Sure. 
Get in it. Okay, I'll go first. I guess. Go okay, go ahead. All right. Uh, year was 1993. Correct. I just gotten into hip hop. Um, I was I was buying magazines. I was buying magazines and watching Yo MTV raps. Big fan of uh, Dr. Dre and that lover. And um, I found out Who's a Man was coming out. Uh, a buddy cop movie about two barbers that became <laughs> police officers. It had everybody in it that was popular at the time. The Who's Who. Dennis Leary, Dr. Dre, Red Band. Everybody you could think of was in this movie. But the soundtrack, the soundtrack, at that time, Dave Mays, who was a Harvard grad, had a newsletter that he turned into a magazine, the Source magazine. And they used to have this this section called Unsigned Hype. And Unsigned Hype was Biggie Smalls, wow. a man that shook up my life. Right. And I had the magazine that where, where he was in the Unsigned Hype in 93. It mentioned a song called Party and Bullshit, which was on this soundtrack. I was a terrorist in the public school era. Bathroom passes, cutting classes, squeezing asses. Smoking blunts was a daily routine since 13. A chubby nigga on the scene. I used to have the trade deuce and the deuce deuce in my bubble goose. Now I got the Mac in my knapsack, lounging black, smoking sacks up and axe and sidekicks with my sidekicks, rocking fly kicks. Honey's wanna chat, but all we wanna know is where the party at. And can I bring my cat? If not, I hope I don't get shot. Better throw my vest on my chest, cause niggas is a mess. It don't take nothing but front for me to start something. Bucking and bucking at niggas like I was duck hunting. Coming out just me and my crew, cause all we wanna do is. The Who's the Man soundtrack is one of the most nuts soundtracks I had ever heard in my life. Because it wasn't just like. Just uh, rap music wasn't just like the music in the movie and the way that it just kind of, it's like background. Every song was kind of hard hitting, in particular this song, but I love that soundtrack. Also, Ice T was in it too. I forgot (laughs) to mention Ice T. But Who's the Man? One of my favorite movies, honestly, of all time. Especially hip hop related. Is that directed by Ted Demi? I'm not sure. Yeah. Is it really? Wow. Yeah. Ted Demi, who also did Life, which was a great movie, by the way. Not to be confused with the recent movie called Life that was like the sci-fi. Right. right. This was Eddie, yeah. Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Do you think Martin there's Lawrence. a crossover? Is that like a stealth remake of the Martin Lawrence, Eddie Murphy film? <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, Jesus, what if that was? <laughs> that would be nuts. Um, well, people all thought when Life came out that it was a stealth yeah, uh, Venom yeah. film that was related to the Spider-Man franchise, but if it actually was a stealth remake of the Eddie Murphy Martin Lawrence movie, that would be great. <sighs> be nuts if those characters just popped up at some point in the movie. Well, do you want to go? Or sure, I sure. Go? Right. I'll, uh, I'll. One of my choices was for um, the Nightmare Before Christmas soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you could really pick a number of songs from it, but for me, I, I would go with "What's This." Um, I think that. The way the song plays the scene in the film. This is probably one the only choice I'm making that really plays into the movie. Like the other choices are like you were saying, John, probably because of commercial success for a song. But uh, what's this? Uh, just kind of seeing Jack's like excitement and, and like that wonder. It just the song just exudes that kind of emotional reaction to uh, just an environment that you're very curious to find out about. And like 
it doesn't it doesn't hurt that it's super catchy and uh, it's a song, it's a soundtrack, it's a movie that I watch multiple times a year. It's like rewatchable. Like I love the soundtrack. That's yeah, beautiful from front to back. Like I'm saying, uh, this is Halloween, Oogie Boogie song or Oogie Boogie theme, whatever it's appropriately called. Jack's Obsession is another great one from the soundtrack. But specifically, what's this like? Just like just I just you can just hear them like what's this? It's mm-hmm. just like this, this youthful like this 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 innocence of like just discovery. What's this? I can't believe my eyes. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This isn't fair. What's this? What's this? What's this? There's something very wrong. What's this? There's people singing songs. What's this? The streets are lined with little creatures laughing. Everybody seems so happy. Have I possibly gone daffy? What is this? What's this? Children throwing snowballs instead of throwing heads. They're busy building toys and absolutely no one's dead. There's frost in every window. Oh, I can't believe my eyes. And in my bones I feel the warmth that's coming from And it's super catchy. And um, the vocal performance on it, which I think is Danny Elfman, right? Yes, Danny Elfman. It's, it's, it's just... It's singing just... the part, but it's actually acted by um, Chris Sarandon. Sarandon, right. Uh Absolutely love it. The soundtrack is like, I love the soundtrack. Yeah. But if I had to pick a song off of it, What's This is probably the one that sticks with me the most. And I'll find myself like just humming and joking around. Mm. If somebody just says, What's This? You just kind of go right into the melody mm. of the song. It definitely has staying power. So that's my first choice. Well, I'm going to sort of join you in your fandom for this film. Because okay. I think it is definitely the one that jumped out at me. When I looked at the totally. year and I was like, okay, love this movie. I agree. It's... It never gets old in the sense that there's always something that catches your eye that yeah. maybe you didn't notice before, or just the craft of it. I mean, now that we've seen all these other sort of Leica films, it's just the magic of stop-motion animation and the visual imagination that it took to come up with this story. It's got so much of what we love about Tim Burton. It's got what we love about Danny Elfman, his melodies and his kind of gothic tendencies, and the cast is great. The designs, everything just really comes together. But I will say, Steve, you chose the wrong song. You mentioned the best song from the film but I think this is Halloween you know you really can't beat any song that has the couplet tender lumplings everywhere life's no fun without a good scare <laughs> I, I, you have a good point girls of every age would you like to see something strange come with us and you will see this our town of Halloween this is Halloween this is Halloween pumpkins scream in the dead of night this is Halloween everybody I am the one hiding under your bed. Teeth ground sharp and eyes glowing red. I am the one hiding under your stairs. Fingers like snakes and spiders in my hair. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. 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 In this town we call home. Everyone hail to the song. I'll take that. I'll take that, and I'll raise this. There's children throwing snowballs instead of throwing heads. <laughs> so that's from what's this. So we can go back. Well, and I think forth that you're right. That what's this? Interestingly enough, it does like it's the perfect example because I had to choose between which yeah. of those two. Yeah. It was either what's this or, or this. What's well, good Halloween. that we each chose a different one? No, it is. But I I think that what's interesting is what's this is the sort of emotional. You're in the mind of Jack Skellington. Yeah. Like it tells sort of his story the yeah. most. Whereas this is Halloween. Is this like great? 
opening to the movie, setting the tone, setting totally. the pace, all those visuals sort of like revealing to you that the level of creepiness you're going to get in this film, the level of humor, the level of just the, the beauty actually of the melody and yeah. the way it's put together. It's just, yeah, it's, I love that opening. And I actually think this is Halloween. It's like, when I was making my notes for this, I just wrote down new seasonal standard. Like it really totally. should be like the official song of Halloween. Totally. Every lyric is great. Every little, it just is pushing that creepiness, that extra bit further. Like Tim Burton always managed to do that where he, he the darkness, it's, it's kind of fun darkness. It's kind mm. of accessible darkness, but there's just this extra little bit of nastiness in this movie that yeah. sets it apart from what you might expect from Disney. Really? Right. Totally. Uh, I also picked, uh, hey, it's a love fest. One of, yeah, and I think that. Pick, what song did you pick? Is there uh, a song that what's this? Up? What's this? What's this? In here, they've got a little tree. How queer! And who would ever think? And why? They're covering it with tiny little things. They've got electric lights on strings, and there's a smile on everyone. So I knew it was one of those movies that I wouldn't see anything like it again. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's it just looks. It, it just really special and. I knew that it wasn't gonna go anywhere. It's so weird. Like I, I knew as a kid that something about it wasn't going anywhere. It didn't feel like one of those movies that would be gone next year. How crazy is it that it's twenty four years old? Yeah, it's crazy. Like any of these movies that we're talking about, I but, know. But 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 the staying power, like you're talking about, yeah, the staying power of Nightmare Before Christmas. Like literally, I'm at Disney last year, and their Christmas. Their Christmas themed show at Hollywood Studios is Night Before Christmas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and it's a no brainer. Yeah. But it's crazy that it's like, this movie's 24 years right. old. And it got and ex- it's still so relevant in pop culture. It got extended for me because I, I was a Kingdom Hearts fan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, like, all the. Very present. Yeah, the Nightmare Before Christmas stuff was woven throughout the entire game. Yeah. So I was, I was in heaven, man. It was, it was such a good, good, good soundtrack but this is what's this is definitely are we glad that they have not uh done anything to sort of cheapen it there's no there's been no sequel there's been no i'm glad that that's not happened but there was a soundtrack reissue that they had like all these pop culture artists like or pop artists or Mm -hmm. relevant artists this is like what maybe like four or five years ago covering all the songs Mm -hmm. which some of them were all right i think fallout boy covered what's this (laughs) I forget. All right. I, and, and I'm not, I, I could be way off strange. here, but I feel like Marilyn Manson did This Is Halloween. I think he did. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know about that, but I'm, I'm glad that they haven't really messed up the the movie itself by having sequels or prequels or whatever. Well, certain things, it just feels like, I mean, maybe they don't. Maybe they've been trying to figure out how to crack right. it, or maybe it wasn't enough of a moneymaker as a movie for them to sure. really try. But I certain things, I feel like maybe everyone has the sense to stand back and say, this should exist on its own. And this, this movie does Sometimes have maybe can happen. more power if it's. If it's like it, yeah, Yeah. it's a holiday film. It's not trying to be a new franchise. I hope maybe now that would never happen. Maybe now there would always be. Oh yeah, they capitalize it. within within a year, within a week of its huge box office, they'd be announcing a greenlit a greenlit sequel. My next pick is going to be a song. Well, I'll just say the 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 "So I Married an Axe Murderer" soundtrack. Uh, Mike Myers, I guess. Motherfucker, are you serious? (laughs) Yes. Wow. Get out of here. Uh, Jesus. I guess between Wayne Wayne's World and Austin Powers, mm-hmm. he had So I Am Married an Axe Murderer. Mm-hmm. Maybe not uh, a film that most people talk about a lot or 
really or have even that, much to say about. Or even that has maybe aged that well. Yeah. At the time, though, it really did feel like, a, I mean, if, if you liked Mike Myers, which I think a lot of us did yeah, at the time, totally. it just felt like a good extension of his brand. And it was, I still think it has some funny bits in it that, that, that I fondly remember. But when I looked at... Some don't age well, though. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's yeah, it's as a movie, I just, I think it might seem a little of its time now and, and, and just not that special. But at the time, I remember seeing it and thinking, well, that was a funny movie that I think I liked at the time, just that the story actually goes someplace yeah. and it wasn't all about the guy imagining what was going on. It actually has some, some totally. life or death I stuff going it, on that. in it. So now the interesting part is what song did you pick? I feel like the song I picked is the most obvious song from the film because to me this song is the perfect, like, undeniable, catchy. Can I ask you which version of the song you picked? Captures young love. I picked the original version. As did I. As did I. There she goes. The song "There She Goes." Yeah. Guys, we're synced yeah. up on this. Our cycles are synced up, John. I say, I say, any song that doesn't have a verse in it, yeah. and can be that fucking catchy, yeah. I listen to it all the time. Yeah. It is. It's four it, choruses, yes, over and over, and it's like a perfectly constructed little loop that just makes you want to hear it again and again, and it reminds you of that way you feel when you're just goofy for somebody that totally. you've met. You know, I mean, that's what I love about it is that it perfectly captures that sort of young love. And it is a total earworm, but it, it's almost like you can't get that song in your head if you're in a bad mood or if you're if you're if you haven't felt something of what yeah. the song is talking about. Um, and I, I don't know how much are you familiar with the laws in general? Not really. I mean, I was reading about this song today, just about there's references mm-hmm. like this is about like heroin addiction, possibly. Oh yeah, I don't know for sure I, what I, it's about. Just with the singer. Yeah. Uh, very no, interesting. I'm not guy. familiar with the band. Uh, Lee Mavers is the guy's name who was the uh, main songwriter and was the singer and the rhythm guitarist when they recorded that song. Okay. But they were a band that existed for a while, and then like it's always weird when a new member joins and they become kind of the front man for the band. But that's what happened. Oh, so oh, the, wow. the band was existing for a while. I think they started in the early '80s, and then Lee Mavers joined, and he. Um, uh, became the primary songwriter. And also, he's like this notorious perfectionist. They recorded several different versions of their debut album and kept scrapping them. Wow. And then finally, they went with this album, the the album, the self-titled The Laws album, really is, a, I mean, I think it really holds up. Definitely that song is the, the grabber. But just as far as like song to song, not that you quite understand why you would keep re-recording it or why someone would, would be that obsessive about it, but it does feel perfected. It feels like the arrangements of the songs are very, it's all got that kind of, ringing acoustic sound very stripped down arrangements like a lot of times the drums will be very simple so it's like it does sound like something that was honed and crafted and perfected to some extent but it's a weird story because they never put out another album they've toured since then but they've sort of stayed away from releasing new material wow if you look at the wikipedia page for the band there have been like 20 people in the band over the years has he always been in it i think he's come back they've had different they've had different lineups that have toured like in the early 2000s and then as recently as like 2010 or 2011 there was talk of some kind of new release but knowing that they spent 
you know, years working on that first album that was the only thing they ever put out, it's a little strange to hear, like, in 2011, maybe there's more material, but you think, okay, does that mean we'll hear it in eight years or something? I don't know. I wonder if the guy's a little bit, you know, uh, too obsessive about crafting this sort of stuff. When you hear about what a perfectionist someone is, and then you hear maybe there was some drug problems, and then you see this guy who's been kind of reclusive and kind of working on the fringes of the industry for a long time. I don't think he ever fully burned out, but I also don't think he ever fully embraced any kind of fame or stature that the band had achieved. So, Mm. yeah, it's a really interesting story, and I think there might even be a documentary being made about Lee Mavers at the moment that I would actually be interested to hear yeah, I would totally the, the story it. because because it is something I feel like everything I've heard is secondhand or you know half remembered from a wikipedia article but um no it's funny that we both picked that song I half when you said which version did you pick I half thought Steve might be more of a Boo Radley's guy but maybe the the purity of that yeah, original version just shines so, through yeah definitely one with the original yep and you're right it is just choruses it's weird. Yeah. It's so cool, though. Yeah, it is. And a bridge. So there she goes, Ronald. My my third and final pick? I guess so. Get it. What the hell? Uh... It what is, happens when some of us all pick the same right. song? <laughs> it's CB4, man. Really? <laughs> CB4. I, I, I had a feeling you'd go with one of the songs. What song did you pick? I'm black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all. Well, I'm it's blacker not, than black, I and wish, I'm black, I was y'all. actually going to pick that one, but it's not on the soundtrack. <laughs> I wish that it was. How is that not? <laughs> I'm blicking the black. <laughs> blicking the black. Uh, it, is, it is straight out of low cash. Okay. Hey, Augusta, what's up? I think that it, it is a really fun movie to watch, especially now because of what music, not just rap, what music has become in general now. Mm-hmm. It's kind of parody of itself. And somebody stealing that, basically the story of a a real person that, that is a psycho, who, yep. I, by the way, random, I don't know if you guys ever heard that when Charlie Murphy auditioned for the role of Gusto, he brought an actual gun to the audition and flashed it, and which is fucking crazy to me. That is crazy. Um, but yeah, Gusto, MC Gusto, who was played by Chris Rock, super funny. But I heard, I read on the Wikipedia that um, it's actually not any of the actors. It's just Chris Rock and two rappers, one named Daddy O and one named High C, that performed. Every, uh, the the original songs hmm. during the movie, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, straight out of low cash is one. Whatever of my happened favorite. to Alan Payne? Man, he did that Blue Hill. He did this like like gangster movie in like the early two thousands. 
Blue Hill Avenue or something like that. And then I never saw him again. He was like really building. Like, yeah. Like oh, New Jack he, City. He yeah. was in a couple years before that. He does this like Tyler Perry. He does one of those Tyler Perry shows. Oh, the show. Yeah. One of those like TBS <laughs> um, Tyler Perry shows. Oh, yeah. House of Pain. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was a great actor. It seems like he I liked him. He was like in all those like really like timely influential movies. It seems like he was in like uh like a show like Power or Empire, Empire or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But yeah. <clears throat> CB4. So CB4, I haven't seen that movie since it first came out. Does it hold up? Yeah, it does, man. I, I recently either. watched it. You don't you don't like it? No, no, I haven't seen oh, it since it kinda, like you know I watched like maybe 10 years ago again. Well, I, I watched, uh, I'd seen Spinal Tap for the first time in, like, forever. I'd, I'd never seen that before. And I didn't realize how similar, kind of, what, what the movie was. Because mm-hmm. it, it, along with him, the, the, the through line of him just stealing the identity of Gusto, there was, like, this ongoing sort of, these interviews from real rappers about CB4 and how crazy they were. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which felt kind of authentic. Like was, I think those were sort of like, I mean, didn't they record those Talking Heads in that sort of almost like get someone real in there and kind of get them to improv? Yeah, yeah. But because it, it does feel sort of off the cuff, yeah, like yeah, you, like you act like these are real artists and talk right. about them like they're real, but kind of really use your works. own words or something. Because yeah. I do, I know what you mean. Those segments felt sort of separate from the rest of yeah. the film, and it felt very real. Like it felt like Ice T was really talking about CB4. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know whatever his voice sounds like. <laughs> he has the weirdest voice to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has the List, Your iced tea is not that far off. I mean, it's, it's, you, should, you should cultivate. You should work on that. Have you hey, ever Steve, heard... close your eyes and see if you can tell who's talking, if it's Where me or Ice-T. <laughs> Have you ever heard... Uh... Open your eyes now. It was me. No. It was me all along. Uh, Ice-T. John Mulaney's uh, Ice-T joke. No. You should look it up, man. It's so funny. It's basically the idea that, like, after 10 years oh, yeah. of seeing all the, the heinous things that he does, that he's still surprised every single time mm-hmm. that he hears about it. It's really good. It's a really good joke. It's the things to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really fun. New, that special New in Town in general is mm-hmm. so good. Is it, is it the Netflix? Is it on Netflix? It, it came on Comedy Central. It might be on Netflix okay. now, though. Um worth checking out but um yeah cb4 in general really holds up and it's actually more relevant now than it it was before because it was kind of an idea of like because fake gangsters and all that stuff was like a real crazy idea back then now it's like pretty commonplace for for labels to manufacture these groups Mm -hmm. yeah so it's it's interesting All right, my last pick is actually going to be for the soundtrack to Coneheads. Oh. I'm not really a big fan of the movie, but um, I'm a fan of Red Hot Chili Peppers, and they have a song on the soundtrack called Soul to Squeeze. Okay. I got a bad disease 
sure if you've ever heard the song or not but it's basically about like his struggle with addiction and whatnot which is kind of interesting that it's on a soundtrack for Coneheads Coneheads. Mm -hmm. but it is very catchy but basically that that song was recorded for their big album the the Blood Sugar Sex Magic album with like Give It Away and Under the Bridge but it was never actually put on the album it was always like a b-side to those singles Mm. but then a few years later it comes out on this album for a soundtrack for this movie Coneheads with a lot of other songs that were b-sides for other artists on warner brothers Mm -hmm. but this ends up becoming like a number one billboard hit and uh only one of their uh, one of only two number one hits that the band would ever have so it's kind of crazy that like a song that was never even put on an album i think later it came out on like an album later like a greatest hits or some comp but for a song that is, you know, thematically a heavier song to be mm. on a SNL comedy about aliens with cone heads <laughs> was kind of like a really weird thing. But when we talked earlier about like this capitalization on like alternative rock music and yeah. the Chili Peppers being one of the biggest bands in that time of mm. the decade and even still today, I think they're pretty relevant in the genre. Um, a, you know, just a song that really hit commercially and elevated the soundtrack for that film um, commercially and the band too, because I think that song kind of uh, kind of set the band into motion for their follow-up albums. to the blood, blood sugar, sex magic and kind of, I can't like kind of like a bridge song almost Mm -hmm. that never got really attention uh, paid to it until it made its way onto a SNL comedy, which is weird. Was that the, was that the one with the video at the circus? Yes. Okay. Chris Farley's in the video. Yeah, yeah. The, the soundtrack also had, I think, cover... Well, I think they had the original recording of Tainted Love. Mm-hmm. And I think a cover of... Um, oh, shit. Um, Magic Carpet Ride. Ah. There was a cover of that on the soundtrack. But just laced with, like, alternative acts. Alternative rock. And I think that was just, you know, like I said before... Cash grabs, probably. Because right. there's really no prominent song in the movie that... I mean, there are some songs in the movie that are on the soundtrack, but there's not, like, a song from the movie that you'd be buying the soundtrack for. But that was a single from the soundtrack, and that was, like, the big hit. So, mm-hmm. interesting. I always love reading about stories like that where, like, the song that they were never going to put out that is a... You know, and then Warner Brothers has this movie soundtrack. Like, let's put all the B-sides for these artists that are kind of relevant now. Yeah. And then that becomes one of your two biggest hits. Like what the fuck? Like that what's so that? weird because there is that weird thing. The soundtrack compilation album frequently has that cast off song. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Like, that soundtrack literally is all B sides from artists that Warner Brothers had on their roster. Well, for my final pick, I'm looking at my choices here, and I've got like one that was a soundtrack album that I remember buying, and that floated back and forth between my girlfriend's car and my car. And so I think the soundtrack album is another one of those compilations that just a movie was a flashpoint and this soundtrack compiled music from a certain era and it was it was a like a window into that music, a little bit like, uh, almost like an awesome mix yeah. from Guardians. And then the other one I have is a song that I really love, but I don't really think that much about the rest of the soundtrack. Which one should I go with? The song that I really love 
or the overall soundtrack album. You should go with the song you really love. All right. Um, This is a song that is not the song most people think of when they think of the original songs written for this movie. Uh, There's the Bruce Springsteen song, The Streets of Philadelphia, from this movie, Philadelphia, that I think is the one that is, it always gets mentioned. But the one that, when watching the film, that just like the melody broke my heart, you know, Uh, and the vocal broke my heart. And ultimately, when you listen to the song, you discover it's a little bit smothered in synthesizers and reverb and little production techniques that don't really serve it. But the Neil Young song, Philadelphia, has got one of the prettiest tunes. It's like, and the way that it's used in the movie where you know this person is is facing this sickness and they're kind of saying goodbye to their life. Mm-hmm. It's just the most poignant mm. lyric. And the way that Neil Young sings, I mean, you're either a fan or you're not. But the one thing that you can't deny is that the guy, like, he, his, his vocals just ache with feeling. What love's all about And when I see the light I know I'll be I've got my friends in the world I had my friends When we were boys and girls And the secrets came unfurled And I think he's actually a really talented vocalist and kind of underappreciated, but that raw, naked, fragile quality that he brings to a vocal performance really works in this song. You know, it's that kind of like, this isn't fair, this is happening to me, I'm being taken away. It's just one of those rare times when a melody really can almost do the work of the whole song, but then the vocals really uh, add to it and then the lyrics really add to it. So yeah, the Neil Young song, Philadelphia. I remember it it losing to Streets of Philadelphia at the Oscars. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Which to me, which is a strong song, but I feel like this one was a little bit better. Well, I will go ahead and throw out there uh, that Dazed and Confused was the other soundtrack that I was alluding to. Love it. And the use of Lowrider in that film. Mm. I went back and watched the clip today. It's a great movie. And one more. great soundtrack. Just to squeak it in. You can't say the whole soundtrack or even really the song, but just the way this song is used in the movie. I Got You, Babe, in Groundhog Day as the song that the alarm clock plays every morning when he wakes up. (laughs) And it's this sort of lovable but vapid pop song. And Mm -hmm. it's the perfect song to have for a person who's trapped in a loop where it's like by the time the loop is over, it's a crazy-making thing to imagine, waking up again, and the Mm. first thing you hear is that, I got you, babe. I mean, it's like that's how he knows he's back in the loop is when he hears that song. It's the like a a super catchy song you can't get out of your head is a perfect thing to use in that because it's just adding to the the mental uh, wear and tear on the character. So does anybody else have anything? The only other possibility I was considering was uh, a horrible film, uh, Sliver. I noticed Sharon that that came Stone, out. Yeah, Billy Baldwin, Philip Noyce directed it. I fucking love UB40's cover of "Can't Help Falling in Love." Oh, I love it too. And that was the only positive thing to come out of that <laughs> yeah. movie. I've never is seen that Slither. that song was a hit because of that sound. It's featured in the film and on the soundtrack for the movie. Um, but that that's a song that I, I leave, every time it comes on the radio, I got you know I leave it on. Mm-hmm. I, I have it on so many mixed CDs that I've made and mixtapes. Um, 
Yeah, I love love that song. That that almost made my cut. But that's really the only positive thing on that soundtrack, yeah. and the only good thing about that movie existing at all. Wasn't that written by Joe Esterhaus? Like at the time when he was getting like millions for a script, and it was like this. It was the era of like you would read about how much a script sold for, and it would yeah. be some ridiculous amount. I might be wrong yeah, that it was right. him. Oh, yeah, it was him. him. Yeah, yeah. He was like that that marquee screenwriter that kind of had one tone that he worked in. You know, the basic inst- instinct. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah, but that was the only other uh, one that I could really kind of want to mention. Ronald, anything else that almost made your list? No? Nope. Well, I think we did it, guys. That's it, man. You know how when we were kicking this back and forth earlier today and we were deciding that we definitely were doing songs and not Mm. score? Yeah. There was one movie that really disappointed me. Are you nodding because it was the same one for you? I hope so. There is a piece of score oh, no, never mind. from one of the movies that came out in 1993 that I was really hoping was a pre-existing piece of music that was that was recorded before the movie was made. But no, it's written by Hans Zimmer. <laughs> it's, it's a little a marimba composition that's kind of a repeated theme in the movie True Romance. Um, and it's called You're So Cool, which is a direct reference to you know, the characters in that film. It's just one of those little bits of score that you walk out humming. You know that rare example of something that that I thought you were gonna. I thought much. you were gonna mention uh, one of the most memorable pieces of film score of definitely of my generation. I think you could probably. But how do you not consider Jurassic Park? I think 1993 of most lists of film stuff Jurassic Park is like that's the summer yeah that, that's the juggernaut of, of the summer no of, in fact it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I was talking about at this time feeling like there hadn't been anything like yeah. that for a while when I saw Jurassic Park I went out and I bought the making of book totally. about the effects I read the novel a couple times I had the soundtrack album my friends and I were shooting little videos around the house that's where awesome. we would play the soundtrack music and we would do different takes of us turning around and like dramatically knocking our glasses off as we saw something you know but um no you're right Uh, so this yes so in terms of score you're right jurassic park one of john williams's best melodies oh yeah but yeah that's not what this episode's about though right if we were going to do ultimate summer movies of all time though jurassic park would have to be a major contender i think about walking through universal and hearing that it's 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 magical looped the fuck up forever yeah yeah Especially if you're just lingering in that, that I can't section. wait for you to take Henry to those parks. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Ever, if you ever plan to. Henry's we can't decide now what our plan I is. I feel like his brain will explode. But yeah. I can't decide if our plan is to wait until Star Wars World exists and then go, or to go in the, in the gap between now and then. Wait for that. Yeah. I think that's, I think su- that's the soon, answer. Right? It's like in the next couple years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah wait for that. Good call. I'll take it back. Right. But I still, still can't wait. No, but we're no, but I because I think about it too. Like he it's will, gonna blow. He's his gonna mind. like disintegrate. Yeah. Like he's, he's gonna, gonna fucking go crazy. <laughs> I want you to take videos of him, like going through like the ability to like, do the Jedi training interactive thing, like where mm-hmm. they let you get up and fucking train with a Jedi. Mm-hmm. 
Fuck mm. and train. <laughs> Fucking train. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whew. That's a whole different park. Yeah. That's train. a different park. That's got neon signs outside. It's only open at night. Fucking train. No, no, no. I, that's the kind of like, yeah, I, I, I think of like kids like Henry, like just the experience of yeah. those parks. That Especially age. being as clued in as he is to all the franchises oh, that Disney I, has I, access to. Exactly. You know? No, no. That, that, and that's why I'm saying it. Like, he's so aware of so many things. But I would say, like, do the Disney, but like, just talking about Universal, like, oh, Universal. don't don't cut him short. Let yeah. him go, take him to Universal, because like on both sides of the parks that they have to offer, you know, you have things like Jurassic Park and Harry Potter World, and you know, ET still there, and I don't know how he feels about the like, Transformers and Despicable Me, just the immersion in these films, yeah, like, just like the simulations are just like they're amazing. No, it's gonna be fun. I'm looking forward to it. All right, guys. Well, that was uh, 193, sound, soundtrack, soundtrack, 1993. Yep. You can find us on whatever podcast app you use on your mobile device or tablet or whatever. <laughs> Sounds so good. And, uh, yeah, moviesmovie.com for past episodes if you want to stream it from your computer at work while you're not doing anything, mm-hmm. like some people do, not me. Mm-hmm. And uh, moviesmovie at gmail.com if you want to make suggestions about the podcast, give us some feedback, or just have a general question. That you mm-hmm. want to share with us, um, we'd be happy to. We usually re- reply to those pretty quickly. Uh, but as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye. You know, Steve, they don't make my day always because they don't leave reviews on iTunes like they're supposed to. Well, maybe I should stop saying that. Yeah. Maybe I need to change that. Like, uh, <laughs> only when you leave reviews on iTunes, right. dot, 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 you've made our day. Very conditionally. Yeah. yeah. Some of you, you know Sometimes. who you are. <laughs> They have means to leave reviews. Yeah. You specifically make our day. I can't leave on bad terms. <laughs> you people make our day. All right. Even if you don't, even up, up, you know, we just had Mother's Day. Yeah. Uh, in our timeline, this is a couple. This episode this will drop a couple years, a couple in. weeks out. But uh, you know, there's that sort of like there's a guilt factor to love sometimes. Sure. Mm. And uh, I'm just saying, right now, we want you to feel guilty if you haven't left a review on iTunes. Yeah. Even so, though, so do that. That's our new thing: is not to say iTunes, right? Apple Podcasts. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever you do, just do it. Find it. Find a way to make it happen. Yeah. Leave a review. Make our day. Those are the terms. That was was it. (laughs) (laughs) Ding. That sounded better than that. I was like, that was that was that was actually pretty good. I got you. I got you, babe. I got you.